today we are here to celebrate the greatest act of history. The reason we call Christianity the gospel, the reason Christianity is the good news is because it's not a religion. It is a historical event that took place, and the historical event was God sent his son to live on earth, and he resurrected from the dead. And I want to start by giving you my personal favorite verse that has to do with the whole Easter story. Romans chapter 8, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, what Easter is all about, lives in you. In other words, the same amount of power, think about it, same amount of power that it would have taken to get Jesus out of the grave, that power lives inside of you. Which means Easter was not a one-time thing. It wasn't just for Jesus. It means you don't have to come today and just celebrate Easter, but you actually get to experience Easter. Paul goes on to say, just as, just as the same way that God raised Jesus from the dead, the same amount of power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead, he'll use that same power to give life to your mortal bodies. Or in other words, to bring life to the dead areas, to the dead things in your life by the same spirit living in you. So I hope today that this is much, much more than just a celebration. And it is a celebration, and rightfully so. But you need to know that God never intended for this to be just a celebration, but for the Easter power to come into your dead areas and give life to them. That was the goal. And so it's not a cliche. We are not here to just celebrate Easter. We are here to experience it. Because here's the thing, every one of us have dead areas of our life. We've got dead, dead or dying things going on in our life. Could be a relationship, could be a marriage, could be a financial situation or a career, could be a health or a physical thing. Here's what you need to know, the resurrection of Jesus, the meaning of Easter, the entire reason you showed up today. Think about it, you didn't show up today because of the Easter bunny. You're here today because somebody came out of a tomb. The resurrection of Jesus gives you the power. This is personal. This isn't a historical fact, but this matters to you today, now. Gives you the power to close the gap between the life you are living and the life that you could live. And we all know that. We all know that there's this life that I'm living right now, and there's this life that I could be or should be living. And some of you are haunted by this. Some of you look at your life, and you know that this is not the way it was supposed to be. This isn't how it was supposed to turn out. And you've tried to change it, but the problem is anytime you've tried to change it without the power of God, it hasn't worked out. You still have this massive gap going on between where you're currently at and where you want to be or where you could be. And the resurrection power of Jesus, the meaning of Easter is all about there's power available for you to close that gap. 
And for me, that's what church is all about. Church for me, like I didn't dream of becoming a pastor so I could give people something to do for one hour a week. Like, I hope you get that. This isn't about me being able to speak to a crowd of people on Sunday. That, that, that was never what church was supposed to be. I don't see church that way. I see church as a vibrant spiritual journey to take people on. It's why as a church, we think steps. We think process. We think journey. We don't think one event every Sunday that you attend. We think, let's go on a journey together. And so to be very honest, I don't really even consider myself a pastor. Honestly, I look at my life as I am a spiritual tour guide. My job is to help you close the gap from where you are and where you want to be. And we've designed our entire church around it like that. The whole, the whole philosophy of our church is there's more out there than what you're currently experiencing. Meaning every single one of us, including myself as the pastor, have a next step in my spiritual journey. And the key is you've got to identify what is your next step. What, what, what is the next step that you have in your spiritual journey of being close to God? Because we all have a next step. In the entire Bible, it is built on this process. It's built on steps. It's built on a spiritual journey, and it's the reason we do church this way. And so because I think about process, and I think about steps, and I think about journey, I see everything that way. And as I began to prepare for Easter, I actually saw it in the Easter story. And I want to show you this process in the Easter story, this journey, and the very reason of what we celebrate today. First, I need you to, I need you to ask the question, and think about and ponder the question, why three days? I don't know if you've ever meditated on that or thought about that, but why three days? What's the point of three days? If the whole purpose of Jesus was to come and live on earth and you know, pay for our sins, die on a cross, and resurrect from the dead, why did he wait three days? Why didn't he just come back later Friday night? Why not Saturday morning? Why did he wait till Sunday? What is significant about three days? Well, the answer is, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he was showing us a process or steps, showing you what your life can be like and what you'll experience in your journey. Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter. He says, this is the kind of life you've been invited into. And I want to make it clear, I'm inviting you into this kind of life. I'm inviting you to join us on this journey. And more than me, God is inviting you into this kind of life, the kind of life Christ lived. Now, the reason why Christ lived it, the reason why he lived on earth for 33 years as a man, flesh and blood, is he wanted to model it for us. He wanted to show us. So it goes on to say he suffered everything that came his way. He experienced a Friday, he experienced the Saturday, and he experienced the Sunday so that you would know that it can be done. So that you would know that you can get through the Fridays of your life and the Saturdays of your life and you can experience the Sundays and also how to do it. He wants you to know how to do it. And then here's my favorite part, step by step. It's a process. It's a journey. So here's the thought. Friday teaches us something in this story. 
Saturday teaches us something in this story, and Sunday teaches us something. So let's look at it. Friday was the day of pain, obviously. Friday was the day that Jesus suffered. And I want you to think about it for a moment. Jesus could have chosen any point in human history to come and pay for sin. He could have come during our lifetime, during our generation, to pay for the sin of mankind. And he would have died through lethal injection. But Jesus chose a point in history where capital punishment was the most brutal and the most horrific and the most excruciating. Why? You see, Jesus wanted to experience the day of pain so that he could help you with your day of pain. Because the truth is, some of you are sitting here right now, and you're looking good because it's Easter. Like, we got our Easter clothes on. I got my Easter shirt on. And we're looking all good, and we got the smile going on on the outside. But the truth is, on the inside, you're going through a Friday right now. You're going through a day of pain right now. And here's the word that describes the Fridays of life. There's a warring going on. You feel this war raging inside your soul. Here's some of the pains that Jesus endured on his Friday. Physical pain, the obvious one. What the whole cross is all about. And many of you are here today and you're experiencing physical pain right now. There's a problem with your body and it's hurting and it's it's chronic, it's been prolonged. And here's the danger of physical pain. It eventually gets into your soul. It eventually starts messing with you. You need to know Jesus totally gets it. He understands what it's like to endure physical pain. Another level of pain that Jesus went through that many people may not think is emotional pain. We oftentimes, we see the crowds that follow Jesus around the Bible, but the Bible says that he was also despised and rejected in a man of sorrows. He dealt with rejection. He dealt with emotional pain, probably because he was born to the poor family in a stable. He had a mother who got pregnant outside of marriage, and he was probably called names for it. He experienced rejection, and he was betrayed by the people closest to him. Some of you are sitting here today, and you're in that Friday, and you feel rejected. You've gone through a betrayal recently. You've been falsely accused, and it hurts. It hurts. Sometimes hurts maybe more than the physical pain. And then a final pain that Jesus dealt with was relational pain. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Had his father turn his back on him because he could not look upon the sin, our sin, the sin of mankind. Jesus also understood what it was like to be single. For those of you that are single here today, Jesus, Jesus knows the temptation because he went through every temptation as a single person. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but he didn't know what it was like to be married. You think being single is bad. Truth is, he does know what it's like to be married. The Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. And not only does he know what it's like to be married, he knows what it feels like to have his spouse cheat on him. Because we've all done that to him, haven't we? So he gets it. He gets it. He understands. 
Jesus understands family problems. He knows what it's like to have a crazy family. They didn't believe in him. He was teaching one day in the church, and his family, his brothers, stood outside and mocked him. His own family. How many of you have a crazy family member? Like, don't raise your hand if they're sitting next to you, but how many of you got like a, <laughs> you got a crazy, if you're trying to figure out who the crazy family, like if you're trying to think, who's the, who's the crazy family member? Might be because it's you. <laughs> I'm just being serious. Some of you today, you're feeling the pain of relationships. You, you, you're experiencing the physical, the emotional. You're in a Friday of life. So what is the lesson? What do we learn from the Friday experiences of life? Paul says it like this again in Romans 8. We know that God causes everything, that God takes the Fridays of our life. God takes the days of pain in our life, and he works it together for good. He flips it around of those who love God and called according to his purpose. God always places purpose in the pain. Now understand, God does not cause the pain. Life causes the pain. What God does is he causes purpose to come out of the pain. And I don't know about you, but it helps me to know when I'm going through a Friday, when, I, when I'm dealing with the day of pain, it helps to know that somehow God is going to use this experience. God is somehow going to use the pain that I'm dealing with, and he's going to turn it around for his purposes. Back in 2008, 2009, I went through one of the deepest pains in my life, and I can't, I can't share the details publicly. Maybe one day I, uh, I'll be able to. But it was, it was some of the deepest pain that I've ever been through, some of the deepest depression, the deepest hurt, emotional, relational pain that, that I'd gone through to the point where I was done. I, I'd been a pastor for almost... 16, 17 years up to that point, I was done. I was done. I was actually plotting a way out of the ministry, trying to find another career to do anything else with my life than do this because of the hurt and the pain that I was experiencing. I was just ready to give up. I was done. But it was in the middle of that season of pain that God gave me the vision for what I'm doing right now. God began to give me a vision for I didn't know the name or the location. God began to give me a vision, and through that season, began to open the doors and form the connections for me to be standing here today. During the most painful season of my life, God revealed his purpose and brought me into the most incredible season of my life. So here's what I want you to remember when you're experiencing the Fridays of life. There is no pain that his purpose cannot redeem. There's not a circumstance you'll ever go through that his purpose cannot turn around. So some are in the Fridays of life. Some are in the Saturdays. The Saturday is the day of confusion. How many know there, there was nobody sitting outside of the tomb on Saturday saying, one more day till Easter. They were confused. Here's the Messiah who had all this supernatural power and power to raise the dead and heal the sick. And now he's dead and he's gone. And his followers got so depressed and so confused, they went back to their old patterns. Well, if the day of pain creates a warring, the day of confusion creates a waiting. And there's nothing worse than waiting. There's nothing worse than you've been through the pain and you know there's this promise out there and you feel stuck. 
Because there's always a gap between, between the pain and the promise. And think about it. Saturday was the only full day. Saturday was the longest day. Waiting always feels like an eternity. And it creates the confusion. And here's what happens when we get confused. The first thing is we want answers. When we're, we're in this confused season, we want to know the answers. We start asking the famous one-word, three-letter question, why? Why? And the truth is, you're not going to know the answer to that question this side of heaven. And that's tough for me because I'm naturally an inquisitive person. I've got a lot of whys. Like, I want to know stuff. I don't know if you're that way, but when I get to heaven, I don't know if we're going to be allowed to do this. But when I get to heaven, I need to find some people. <laughs> because I need a little bit more information than what's in the Bible. Like, I, I need to... I want to know some of the backstory a little bit more. There, there's some things that I just, I, I need to know. It, it, like, like, I want to know, does Adam have a belly button? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, first man. Like, I really want to ask Noah, why didn't you swat those two mosquitoes when you had the chance? I mean, you could have <laughs> saved us tremendously. It reminds me of uh, something I ran across on the internet the other day. It was called ponderables. Have you ever seen those ponderables on the internet? Things that make you go, hmm, for those, you know, naturally inquisitive people. I read some of them, and some of them were just funny to me. Like, why is abbreviated such a long word? <laughs> Have you ever wondered why the man who invests all of your money is called a broker? <laughs> why is the time of day with the slowest traffic on the freeway called rush hour? They're not rushing anyways. Why do they call them apartments when they're all stuck together? Why do we park in a driveway and drive in a parkway? Have you ever figured that one out? I mean, here, here, here's my personal favorite. How come we choose from just two people to be president, but over 50 to be Miss America? <laughs> Seems like something's wrong there. The next thing that takes place is we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt. Again, the disciples weren't sitting outside the town. Countdown, 10, 9, 8. They were gone. One of the disciples, in fact, doubted so much that the word eternally got stuck to his name. They call him Doubting Thomas. For some, you've been stuck in a Saturday for so long, you're now beginning to question God. You're beginning to wonder if it's real. The doubting, and the truth is the doubting hasn't helped at all. And then it leads us to a place where we want to give up. We want to give up. One of the disciples gave up and actually committed suicide because of this confusion. Another disciple, Peter, he gave up and he quit the ministry and went back to his old job. And then here's one I hear a lot as a pastor when somebody's in the middle of a Saturday of life, when they're dealing with the day of confusion. I hear, I feel all alone. I just feel all alone. I feel like God is a million miles away. So what do we do during the Saturdays of life? What do we do when we're waiting? What do we do in the season of confusion? Well, during the day of pain, you've got to see the purpose in it. So how do we deal with the day of confusion? Only one thing, you've got to get close to God. You've got to get closer to God. If you don't get close to God, the devil will confuse you more. When you think God is a million miles away, that's the time to draw closer to him than ever. 
King David, who wrote the majority of the book of Psalms, had a number of worship leaders that worked for him when he was king. One of the worship leaders wrote a number of the Psalms. His name was Asaph. And in Psalm 73, Asaph wrote an entire chapter where all he's doing is complaining because of the confusion he's experiencing. He says in Psalm 73, surely in vain, in vain, I've kept my heart pure. Like I'm doing all the right things, but what am I doing it for? It's amounting to nothing. I've washed my hands in innocence and all day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. The more I do right, the more that wrong happens. And God doesn't seem to be helping at all. He goes on to say, when I tried to understand it all, I just got more depressed. I got more confused. It troubled me deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, until I got close to God, until I came into his presence, then I understood. In other words, he says, as soon as I got close to God, I didn't get the answers I was looking for, but I felt safe again. I didn't know the reason why, but I felt peace again. Let me get a little bit more personal. The last couple years have been tough for, for our family, my wife and her sister, Dusty, who's a part of our church staff. Because about two years ago, their father was diagnosed with cancer, and the doctor said it was in a very aggressive form of cancer, and, and they didn't give him a whole lot of hope. And so for a two-year period, he fought cancer. And over the course of fighting cancer, he beat cancer and was healed. And the doctors declared him cancer-free. He had, he had recovered from cancer. He had been healed from cancer. And he was a pastor in Houston. Well, a couple months after being declared cancer-free, this last December, he was preaching at his church in Houston. Went home that night, went to bed, went to sleep, and didn't wake up, and he died. Now, now try to fit that into your theology. And I could see the confusion overtake our family, my wife and her sister. I could see them wanting to know why. Why, God, why would you heal my dad only to let him die? They wanted answers. And I understood because it, 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 was, it was a season of confusion. But at the same time, I watched them every Sunday stand on this stage and lead our church in worship, both of them part of our, our, our singing worship team. And as they would stand here and they would worship, as they would stand here and they would sing, here's what happened. They didn't get the answers they were looking for, but they got his presence. And God's presence gave them peace and it gave them hope. You can live your life with hope. See, hope will bring you to a place where you'll be okay with not knowing the answer why until you get to heaven one day. See, for the Fridays of life, we've got to see the purpose in the pain. But for the Saturdays of life, here's what I want you to remember. There is no confusion that his presence cannot calm. You may not get the answers you're looking for, but in his presence, you can find peace and you can find calm. 
the truth is, I don't want you stuck on Friday or Saturday. As your pastor, I want to get you to Sunday. I want you on the journey with us. The goal is the resurrection day. And that's what Sunday was, the day of resurrection, the day where dead things and dead areas of life can be resurrected. And this is available to you. This doesn't have to be just a cool thought that you hear on Easter. This is something that can radically transform your here and now. Because Sunday, the day of resurrection, is all about winning. For some of you, you're just one sunrise away from seeing a resurrection take place in your life. And that's what Easter is all about. Listen to me. If God can resurrect a dead body, he can resurrect a dead marriage. If he can resurrect a dead body, he can raise up a dead career, a dead relationship. Easter reminds us that God is an expert at bringing dead things back to life. So the question is, how do we get to Sunday? How do we experience Sunday? How do I actually make this matter in my life? One word. One word and only one word, and that is Jesus. He's the only one. It's not religion. It's not trying really hard. It's not being a good person. One word, and it's Jesus. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't point you to resurrection. Jesus said, I am resurrection. If you'll get close to me, if you'll have me, you'll have resurrection. I will resurrect the dead areas of your life if you're close to me. John 11, he puts it like this. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And you see, that's my goal. The whole reason we're doing today is to get you to believe that you don't have to stay stuck in the Fridays of life. You don't have to stay stuck in the Saturdays of life. Here's the truth. There is no death that his power cannot resurrect. There's not a circumstance that you will ever go through that his power cannot turn around. That he cannot resurrect in your life. But here's the problem. And I get it. The problem for many of you is preaching doesn't convince you. The truth is, this 30-minute message on Easter Sunday, 2017, is not going to fully convince you of this being true. I, I get it. But something that helps and something that does is stories. It's real-life stories and testimonies. So what I want to do is, as we close the service today, is let me give you one example of a family that was changed through the resurrection power of God. I always say I'm like Paul. I've never killed a Christian, but I made fun of him a lot. Life growing up was very dysfunctional. My mother was an alcoholic. I was the youngest of four, and I was very unwanted. By the time Panetta came along, things were at the worst spot. You know, my mother was passing out while she was pregnant with her from drinking and things like that. It was extremely volatile. My parents hated each other. And my mother spiraled after I was born. And when I was six, she left. We were relieved. Uh, there wasn't any more fighting. And I know how Cinderella felt because we had a wicked stepmother. There was some abuse there. No love. It was fear, hopelessness, feeling that we'd just been abandoned, thinking that's the way life was. I didn't know that it was, could be any different than that. 
There was always alcohol in the home. And I remember the first time I took my first drink, I was around eight, and I knew what it did. It took away all of the chaos. By the time I was 10 or 11, I was already starting to act out, doing things that were contrary to what the family wanted. I didn't understand what was really happening to Vanetta at that time. I didn't really have anything to do with her when I did go home, you know, because I knew she was causing trouble. I was living in what I thought was hell, and I was escaping. I finally got to a point where I quit school, ended up living with my two older sisters, and destroyed those relationships. I mean, I just leveled those relationships. And then we understood how really bad things have gotten. It was just infuriating. I mean, you try to help somebody and they steal from you and they, you know, they won't work and they won't take care of themselves physically. And so I ended up living in a motel and there was no degradation that I did not do. I prostituted myself, I sold drugs, I lived on the street for a long time. And in 1983, um, I found out I was pregnant. He was 18 months old, and we were living at the Siesta Motel in Irondale. My lowest, very lowest point. My son and I were standing in a bathroom. I had been doing acid all night long, and I knew I had gone as low as I could go because I was going to be using with him if I didn't stop. Robert had a very disturbing past. I was born and raised pretty much a heathen. My family was either the religious right or the let's have fun left. And uh, it was easier for me to have fun. <laughs> he had a very, very bad view of who God was. Um, he wasn't there for him. He didn't care about him. And he was man-made. After we got married, I struggled severely. And I was a wreck. Uh, couldn't stay sober. Couldn't, couldn't quit using drugs. Uh, basically done everything I could to run Vanetta off. My niece got pregnant, and so it connected me and my sister again. And we decided we was gonna go to get her a present. And my sister said, well, yeah, but I really need to go to church first. I thought, well, you know, it can't hurt. I mean, she gets a free meal. We'll get to hang out a little bit. I knew she would enjoy that. The first time she told me she was going to church, I told Bennett I'd divorce her if she got baptized. I was very serious. So I went to the church, and the people were different. They were smiling. I saw people like me. I could just feel that presence. All I remember hearing was, if that's you, if that's you, raise your hand. And my hand went up. I prayed that prayer. My life changed from that moment. I was very shocked when uh, she said she was going to get baptized. And I was very honest with her and told her I wouldn't meet her. It was like I, for the first time, felt really clean. She had such a radical transformation. She set an example for me, really. I got involved in a common grounds small group, and they immediately started praying for Robert and said, well, you gotta go to recreate. At the very end, they had those crosses at the end of the, the aisles, and they said, take whatever it is that you wanna give to God, and write it on a piece of paper, pin it to the cross. And I wrote my husband, 
thanked Jesus, got in my car, and went to the shop and said, what are you going to do tomorrow? And he said, well, I think I'm going to follow you and your sister to church tomorrow. And I was like, <gasps> I started seeing hope in Veneta, seeing a, a peace I had never had. I was looking for it. And I'll never forget that. He went to church, and we're sitting down. Everybody's getting all settled in. And they throw up those videos from the month before of baptisms. When I saw her baptism on the screen, it was one of many turning points for me. I felt joy. I, I felt happy. I asked him, I said, well, what do you think? Did you like it? He said, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through the growth track. I'm going to go every day, every Sunday for this series. Then I'll see what, what's going to happen. And I thought, my husband's going to church. After about a month, I told him that I was going to get baptized. He went to the men's conference. We went to the marriage conference together. I walked into my husband's shop today, and he was praising God. Today, it's daylight and dark. Lost, miserable, to free, redeemed, hopeful, not hopeless. God is so good. There is no past too big, too dirty for Jesus to take. He takes it all. Isn't that good? This is available. And you can experience Easter. You don't have to just celebrate it anymore. You can live it. It's a process. Let me ask just for the next few moments that there be no walking around, that everyone just be still and quiet for just, just a moment. Let me, let me close like this. Paul said in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. Now the word know is interesting there. It's not to know who he is. It's not a now, I, I, I know that there's a historical Jesus. This word know in the Greek language, which the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language, means deep friendship. I want to have a deep friendship with Christ. Why? And I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Again, Paul didn't want to just celebrate Easter. He wanted to experience it. And here's why. Paul had Fridays and Saturdays in his life. You read his story, Paul went through a lot of Fridays, and he went through a lot of Saturdays. He goes on to say, I want to suffer with him, Friday. Sharing in his death, Saturday. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead, Sunday. And the key is you can't have any of this without him, without Jesus. Only one person can help you. And that's Jesus. And so as we close today, I want to invite you to take one more survey, a spiritual survey. It's on your card. And so I'm going to ask everyone to pull out your card with me. Even if you're not going to do it, just fake it and hold it for me. So if everyone would just hold their card in their hand, on the front of the card, there's four boxes. I want all my staff, all the leaders, everybody holding a card.
There's letter A, letter B, letter C, letter D. Now, before you pick one, I want you to realize that every person here today is one of these. Whether you, whether you do it or not, whether you pick one or not, you are one of these four letters. Everyone here. And, and during this survey, when I read to you each letter, if that reflects where you're at spiritually on your journey, just check the box that applies to where you're currently at in your spiritual journey. Letter A... I already have a real friendship with Jesus. This is way more than just church. Like I have an active friendship with Jesus. This is real to me. It's not a, you know, not, not, not a convenience thing, not a once a week thing to me. But this is, this, is, this is much more. My life is changing. In other words, through the friendship that I have with Jesus. So if that describes where you're at spiritually, check letter A. Letter B is I want to begin a real friendship with Jesus today. This is exactly what, everything you've talked about. That is what I need. I need to experience a Sunday. I'm tired of being stuck in the Fridays and Saturdays of life. I need to experience something. And I'm ready to begin today. And if you, if this describes where you're at, we're going to pray with you in just a few moments. Some of you may say, I, I need to begin again. I need a fresh start because I, I, I've let my friendship kind of fall apart with Jesus. And so I need to begin that friendship again today. Letter C is I'd like to consider it a bit more first. And I want you to know we're good with that. My dream was to always build a church where you could take your time, where you, where you could check it out. We actually value people considering it. I never wanted to build a church for church people. The truth is, I wanted to build a church for people who don't agree with us, but who could feel welcome to come and check it out. That was always the goal. So if letter C describes where you're at spiritually, I want you to know we're good with that. Now, letter D is what scares me, but I want you to, if, if letter D describes where you're at, have the courage to check it. Have the courage to put it down. Letter D is I don't ever intend on making that decision. I don't ever intend on having a friendship with God. I don't ever intend on giving my life to Jesus. I don't ever intend on this becoming real. I'm here because I got drugged here. I'm here because I had to come with family. I'm here for whatever reason. But I don't ever intend on this being real in my life. And look, this is what we're going to do, and you probably don't care, and you probably won't like it, but we're going to pray for you. But the good news is, is if you're right and God's not real or doesn't exist or doesn't matter, then my prayer doesn't matter anyways. But I'm going to pray that throughout this year, God will reveal truth to you of who he is. Not what you've heard, not what you've seen, because I'll, I'll, I'm the first to agree there's a lot of Christians out there that have given him a bad rap. A lot of Christians have misrepresented him to you. Because I know there's a story behind every letter D. But here's what I've seen happen over the years. People will check letter D one Easter, and then the following year they'll check letter B. And they'll let us know last year I was a letter D. Because God begins to show them who he really is, apart from all the religious garbage that they've experienced and seen. So I'm going to give you a moment to check the letter that applies to your spiritual journey. When you check the letter, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me? And I'm going to pray over you.
Father, I thank you for every person here this morning. For those that check letter A, God, I pray that their friendship with you will grow deeper. For those that check letter B, they're beginning the greatest journey of their life this morning. In a moment, we'll pray with them. For those that check letter C, let them feel comfortable to come back and consider and check it out. And, and let them know that, that that's okay. And God, for those that check letter D, I know there's a story behind that. And I pray that you would just show them who you really are. That you would take all the misconceptions away. All the preconceived ideas away. And you would just reveal to them who you really are so that they would know the truth. Now with your eyes closed and your head bowed, for those of you that check letter B this morning, I want to lead you in a simple prayer, beginning a friendship with Jesus today. You don't have to pray this out loud. This is a moment between your heart and God, and God will listen to your heart today. But if you check letter B with us today, right now, in your heart, pray this to him. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I surrender to you. Will you be my Lord, my ruler, director? Be my friend. Forgive me of my past. And thank you for giving me a brand new future. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in a moment, the team is going to close with the song and our dream team will come forward. And we've got some black buckets and during the closing song, they're going to pass the buckets around. Now, let me be very, very clear. Those are not offering buckets. Do not put any money. We don't receive money or offering in our church services at all, so don't put money. They're simply for the cards today so that we could collect the survey information from you, and so they'll do that during the closing song. And let me just say, for those of you that check letter B, there's some great next steps. Next Sunday, we're going to do water baptism in every single one of our services. Great opportunity for you to make your decision public. And we'll, we'll help you understand what that means. So come back next week and be water baptized. Join us in the growth track. You heard Robert in the video talking about the growth track and how it's a great beginning of this journey and this process that you're on. Because again, church isn't about something to attend once a week. Church is about a journey, a vibrant spiritual journey. We want to help empower you to make that journey, to know the steps. So join us for the growth track. Could everyone stand with me? I'm going to pray, and then the team is going to lead us. And again, when they're leading us, you can drop the survey cards off and the buckets as they come around. The dream team is going to come forward right now. Father, I thank you for this Easter service where we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. God, but more than celebrate it, we can experience it. And that is your heart and that is your desire, God. You don't want us just to talk about something that happened 2,000 years ago. You want it to matter in our life here and now. And it is available, the same power that raised Jesus, that brought him back to life is available to us every moment, every day, in our career, in our marriage, in our parenting, in every aspect of our life, you are there, God. And your power is available to us to live beyond what we can do on our own. So God, let us take this journey with you. 
and see what really is available through you. In the name of Jesus.